If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome, 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 welcome to episode 127 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, my friends, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on February 6th, 2022. It is February. (laughs) Wow. I mean, just the time is just, it just flies ridiculously fast. Now, this is the month where normally it'd be time for all of us to start getting really psyched because normally pitchers and catchers would be getting ready to report to camp anywhere from a week to a week and a half from now. But instead, we are now on today 67 of the lockout, 67 already. Over two months into what's already the longest work stoppage in baseball history. And we are still waiting in limbo for the owners and the Players Association to figure this crap out with the CBA. And as of this past week, they did have more meetings, according to reports. Little progress, if any, has continued to be made. And get this. It seems so bad that the league, on Thursday, requested to have a federal mediator. A federal mediator to help (laughs) resolve this lockout that they put into place. In case you're confused, let me put it this way. Picture a married couple. I'm going to explain to you what this federal mediator sort of means. Picture a married couple whose marriage is a complete nightmare. (laughs) Not one good aspect about it. And now, like most of the time in a bad marriage, usually both parties share at least a little bit of blame. And a lot of the time, one side shares a lot more blame than the other. And in this case, the one who shares all or most of the blame, being the league, the ones who put the lockout into effect in the first place, might I mention again, is hiring a marriage counselor. (laughs) (sighs) Now, obviously, this could have gone fine or resulted in absolutely nothing, as everything up to this point has. Not to mention it's hard enough to have any faith at all when any sort of government is involved in anything. And it also could have just turned out to look like posturing by the league or a PR stunt like the PA believed it to be, hence why they rejected it in the first place not long after the announcement was made. I mean, it didn't help anything at all when the same thing was proposed in 1994 anyway. The World Series was still canceled that year, negotiations completely failed, and they were still months away from any sort of an agreement at the time. Needless to say, at this point in time, if a new CBA isn't agreed upon within the next week and a half, I'd say a delay to spring training games is unavoidable. 
We all know the legitimate concern is losing out on regular season games, the ones that count, obviously. But I mean, spring training games, between tickets, concessions, etc., they still bring in profit, plenty of it. I mean, actual games more so, of course. And the owners in their billions will be fine regardless, don't get me wrong, but they'd lose out on some profit by missing some spring training games. They would. I mean, I guess they're willing to bite the bullet there, though. Personally, I'm okay if spring training's cut down by maybe a week or a week and a half because selfishly as a fan, I gotta be honest, spring training is pretty damn long. (laughs) It usually goes on for a bit over a month, and I'm usually checked out by the third week (laughs) because by then I'm like, all right, I'm ready for some games that actually mean something. But the negative to spring training being cut short is because obviously the players, pitchers especially, to get their arms ready, need that time. It's been said, and this was even more realized when everyone had to get ready quickly back in 2020 for the shortened pandemic season, that pitchers need at least, give or take, four weeks to be ready. Otherwise, a crap ton of injuries could happen. And that did happen a lot in 2020 with a lot of guys. And we don't want that. But yeah, given that needed timetable... Predicted dates have been speculated as to how long until spring training could be affected and when the regular season could as well. For spring training, considering they need just about a week or so of warm-ups at camp before exhibition games, and the first exhibition game is set to be played on the 26th, less than three weeks from today, believe it or not, I would say they have anywhere from a week and a half or two from today to avoid spring training being altered whatsoever. I've heard February 19th, that's the date that I've heard, and that sounds about right. So, if a deal isn't reached in the CBA, if agreement isn't reached by then, by February 19th, give or take, then, well, that's when spring training could be affected. And then for the regular season, again, the first game is set for March 31st, I think I've mentioned that in prior episodes, give them four weeks, which is 28 days, more or less, worth of exhibition games, I'd say they have to agree by March 3rd. And if not, then the season gets affected, even if just a little. If you have to take away some off days or just move things back a little bit and you still fit in 162 somehow. But either way, by March 3rd, give or take, if they don't have a new CBA agreed upon, then you're going to see the season affected at some capacity. Again, even if just a little. Which you don't even want that. You don't want the season affected at all. The goal is to play the entire season when scheduled. Even if spring training is just affected a little bit, you can shorten that just by a week or so, and then still start the season on time, probably. That's just just off the top of my head how timing would work out. But regardless of all those dates, the speculated dates about how long they have to agree to something before something is affected, the clock continues to tick. Time stops for nothing and no one, guys. And we know the two sides are still very far apart. They had another meeting on Tuesday. Very little progress was made there, according to Jeff Passan, who I really rely on him for any and all news regarding this and just about anything else baseball. And the more we continue to hear things like that as the meetings continue, the more and more doubt that spring training is put into. And if gone on long enough, yes, the season two eventually, that will be put into doubt as well, at least a little bit of it. As of Tuesday, the differences I told you about last week, like minimum salary, that stayed about the same. 
No compromise on either side there. 775000 desired by the Players Association for minimum salary. 615000 being offered by the league. Same numbers. The luxury tax, $245 million against $214 million. So the rumors on that being far apart for a while were confirmed to still be very far apart, and it's not budging. And after the league accepted the parameters of a pre-arbitration pool, as well as service time, you remember last week that I said the PA seemed to be around $105 million and the league only offered $10 million. <laughs> I still can't believe that, how far apart it is, nearly $100 million. And now, the PA dropped their request by $5 million to $100 million. But it seems like on the other end, it's just about the same. So a little bit of a compromise by the Players Association, but still, I mean, that's still extremely far apart. So most key factors still either remain unchanged, as we're now in the beginning, heading towards the middle of February, or extremely distant between the two sides with plenty more issues still to hit on that we'll keep tackling a bit as they come. And if I've said it once... I've said it to the point of turning blue in the face. But, I mean, just listening to all of this back and forth, and this includes what happened in 2020 as well between the two sides when they were trying to figure out how to start the shortened season. But how much better things would be if we had people in charge of baseball who actually gave a single crap about the sport itself or us fans who give them their money. It's just really, really sad times for a sport that's, honestly, its own worst enemy. Thanks to those at the top. It really is a tragedy for those of us who love this game as much as we do. And as for the PA2, the Players Association, I'll say this. Since no side is free of fault in this, or a lot of other arguments just in general in life, I want to keep reiterating that, but especially here, since no side is free of fault... Even though many of you know which one I side with more than the other, that side being the players. But anyways, to the Players Association, I want to say this. We know you're just trying to inform the public of what your side is fighting for. We've had guys like Scherzer and many others take to social media to do this this past week and plenty of other times in the past. Fine, whatever. We get what you're trying to do. But here's some advice. And I give this even more so for the owners as well, for when and if they're to do the same thing. Here's my advice. Stop. I promise you, I promise you, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like in the Bronx Tale, I'll say it again. Nobody cares. All we fans want, the third forgotten party in this whole thing, is our product back. We want baseball back. I know we wouldn't be missing any games even without a lockout. It's still the offseason. But we want it all back, including being able to see signings, trades, etc. in the offseason because not even that could happen as long as the lockout is ongoing. But as selfish as that may sound, which I don't care about sounding selfish because this whole thing is based around selfishness and greed. But as selfish as this may sound, we love the sport. And we just want it back. That's all we care about. No matter how it's done, 
that is all we care about. When you really get down to it, that's all the fans care about. I promise you. I think I speak for most fans here. And if you don't think that I speak for you, then let me know. (laughs) You can announce that. But I really truly think I speak for a lot of fans when I say this. That that is all we care about. Consuming baseball. Enjoying baseball. Loving baseball. We simply don't care to hear the ins and outs that are for you guys and the owners to figure out. We don't care. I gotta talk about it. Content creators who discuss baseball like myself basically have to mention it at least a little bit, given the fact that the sport is reliant on what happens with all of it. But I personally hate talking about it, and the details of it all do nothing but aggravate and exhaust me. Just like the casual person out there listening to this show right now, probably just saying, holy crap, Mike, just shut your mouth and get to some Yankees talk. So that's my advice. Just stop. Because at the end of the day, both of these sides, regardless of who I side with more than the other, or who the general public tends to side with more than the other, still, I want to say again, neither side is completely free of fault. We just want the sport back. And whatever way the two sides can figure out to allow that to happen, without one side getting royally screwed, of course, and for that to happen, of course, compromises need to be made, then just sit down with each other and figure it out so we can get baseball back and everybody wins. Easier said than done, but get it done. And... Also, another fact, just want to mention this again, as I have many times. Going back to 2020, and even long before that, especially in 2020, though, having seen where tensions were and how much was being disagreed upon, this didn't even have to be done at just right now, at this point in time. This could have been done for years. This could have been kickstarted for years, this discussion, that all of us have known would be awful come this time. Because we know the tensions, we've heard of the tensions, we've seen the tensions publicly. You have had years to get this discussion started. And instead, not only do you wait until the 2021 season ended for when it expired, but you put a lockout into effect, you wait for a month and a half to even have one meeting. And even now, with players supposed to have been getting ready to report to camp within a couple of weeks from now, within a week and a half, actually. There have still only been a handful of meetings and spread apart with the exception of a couple of them that were a day apart. You should all be locking yourselves inside of a room almost every day of every week to try to get this figured out. And between that and the lack of compromise here, That's why I say neither side is free of fault, even though, again, I have my side that I side with more than the other. But nonetheless, I mean, those are just the facts that I gave out. You've had all the time in the world to do this. And you just start now. And even in waiting until now, it's not like you started now and then you're really doing everything you can to get it going. You've waited until now and still have had the least possible amount of urgency in anything that I've ever seen anyone have in anything. Which really just drives home to people, and you can't blame them for feeling this way, that 
just nobody cares about the fans who are the ones, again, I want to keep really highlighting this, that get the most screwed of any party in this equation. Yeah, if the regular season gets affected at all, nobody wins if that happens. But the ones who win the least and the ones who get screwed the hardest are and always will be the fans. And because actions speak louder than words, it just really seems like a lot of people here, some on both sides, just really don't seem to give a single crap about it. And you can't really blame a lot of fans for feeling like they're just not cared about. Actions speak louder than words. Because certain actions, or lack thereof I should probably say as well, are why people have been driven to feel that way. Which is also why, bringing me back to my original point in my advice to the Players Association and even the other side if they feel compelled to do the same thing, which is also why, when certain details are put out to the public in an attempt to, I don't know, maybe bring people over to one side or just try to make the details known, that a lot of fans, I promise you, just don't care to hear it. Either that or even seeing or hearing it makes them even angrier. Because we're not the ones you need to be telling about this. The ones you need to be telling about this are the people you're supposed to be working with in a room every single day so that this crap gets solved. All we fans truly care about is that you guys get it done so we can get our product back. So again, just stop. That's the advice. After that whole big rant that, again, I didn't anticipate on going on, but that's the advice. But since the most recent meetings and latest reports, again, there's been no word at all about any significant sort of progress and not even any counterproposals lately. This time from the owners, since I think it was their turn this time to counter. They thought a mediator would be a good idea instead. It's February 6th already. I want to keep reminding everybody of that. It's February 6th as of today when this episode is being released. And time is just continues to be wasted. And it's already killing me enough as a fan. And again, I want to say it again, we the fans are the ones who get punished the most with this nonsense. But it's killing me enough that it's this close to when I would normally start getting amped for pitchers and catchers and then the rest of the squad shortly thereafter to report to camp And since everything's up in the air, I've got nothing to be excited about at the moment. It's killing me, guys. As I'm sure it is you too. But this is the hand that we've been dealt. And all we can do, while these jerks continue to fight over their money, is just sit here, like me, in front of this microphone and on social media, and continue to voice our displeasure and disgust together. And just twiddle our thumbs. Because what else can we do? It's out of our control. Well, I do know one thing we can do. We can have ourselves an awesome freaking episode of Yapping Yankees. That's what we can do. (laughs) So let's do that. Now, as per usual for weeks on end now, thanks to our glorious unending lockout, there is no Yankees news to discuss. So, like the last couple of weeks, let's just jump right into some fun Yankee-themed social media interacting between myself and you awesome fans and listeners out there. 
and have ourselves a good time because chances are any and all even potential Yankees news to discuss will probably be hit on in the social media segment anyway. But first, two real quick things. First off, obviously we know, unless you live in a cave with no human interaction whatsoever, that the big game, as broadcasters have to put it usually, (laughs) is next Sunday. And Yapping Yankees comes out each Sunday. And in past years, on the big weekend, I've tended to just record the episode on Saturday and then release it early Sunday, just so it doesn't get completely swallowed up Sunday night, with everyone's attention obviously elsewhere. And I'm probably going to do the same thing next weekend, and do just a shorter, simpler episode next week. Unless anything massive comes out, obviously, like the CBA being agreed to, or... If that's to happen and then a major piece of Yankees news comes out thereafter, then of course I'm going to have to consider changing it up and doing a regular length episode with discussion based around that. (laughs) But if nothing continues to happen and everything just stays status quo, then it'll just be a very simple, shorter episode with everyone of course concentrated on the obvious. And you'll have the privilege of taking in some awesome yapping Yankees content and then enjoying the big game later on at night. Sound good? Good. (laughs) And the other announcement is the same that I always give, and that is to follow me on social media. Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter is at Mike Scudero, and Instagram is Mike Scuds97. And also, guys, of course, please don't forget to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below if you're listening on YouTube, and leave a review on all the others if you're listening on either of the other three, and just show the amazing love that you usually do. But, otherwise, as per usual lately with nothing else being able to even happen in the baseball world thanks to our amazing lockout, and I almost cringe out of my skin even just saying that as a joke, but thanks to it, like the last couple of weeks since I returned from my hiatus, we're going to go right into the social media segment with some fun Yankees-themed discussion, a lot of speculation, predictions, just opinions like usual, because, I mean, there's really nothing else to do right now. <laughs> with the lockout, it's really no moves can happen, no talk can happen, speculation can happen, predictions can happen, and that's what we've done a lot of for when the lockout is to eventually end. <laughs> but... For this week, I'm changing it up a little bit just from the social media questions I've had for you on Twitter and Instagram lately. This week, I've got a poll for you. It's been a little bit since we've done a poll, so I figured why not try to bring about a question that could result in a poll. And then, of course, you could still leave your thoughts like usual, and I'll try to get to as many as I can. But we've got a poll this week. And that poll question is, starting on Twitter as usual, in light of Peraza talk this past week... Are you willing to give him up in a big trade, or do you want to keep both him and Volpe? Of course, they're both shortstop prospects as of now. I mean, either one of them can learn to play another position if need be, if the Yankees need that in the future within the infield. But that's the question for this week. And there was some Peraza talk this past week because it was announced that when talking with the A's or other potential trade suitors before the lockout, the Yankees were hesitant to give away Oswald Peraza, and we've spoken about him and Volpe a great deal in prior shortstop discussion, in what the Yankees could look to do at shortstop, whether it be signing Correa or Story, or going the stopgap route for now, going with either Angelton Simmons or Isaiah Kiner-Falefa until 
Oswald Peraza and or Anthony Volpe are ready down in the minor leagues. They're both still a bit of time off from being major league ready, but I'd say Oswald Peraza is definitely closer because Oswald Peraza is in AAA as of now. He's played AAA games, and Anthony Volpe has not seen outside of single A. He can move up quickly. I mean, he's certainly extremely talented as the Yankees' number one prospect, and even towards the top of the list, just amongst prospects around the whole country. (laughs) So that could happen. But as of now, it seems like Oswald Peraza is a bit closer as he approaches just age 22. But this has been a big discussion, especially amongst this past week's news of saying the Yankees were hesitant to give him away. And some people agreed with the Yankees, some people disagreed with the Yankees, and... It probably is my bad a little bit. I mean, I, I know that some people in their replies here and there said, well, it depends on the trade. I kind of assumed that people might have known what I was talking about when I said big trade because the big trade that's been out there has usually been associated with the A's when it comes to this offseason with acquiring Olsen or Olsen and Manaya or Olsen and another one of their pitchers like Frankie Montes or Chris Bassett. So since that's really been the big thing when it comes to trade discussion, for first base in acquiring Matt Olson potentially, I kind of assumed that people knew that I was talking about that, perhaps, when I said a big trade, so that's my bad. But that's more or less what I meant. And this is tough, because, listen, I love prospects as much as the next guy. There are probably other people out there that follow the minor leagues more than I do, even though I, I like to keep an eye on them, definitely, and I do know a decent amount about them, but... I do love hearing about prospects and how they're developing and how close they are and hearing their ratings and just all of it. I I do enjoy hearing about it. And Oswald Peraz is up there. He's in the top five. So he is, he's expected to do a lot. But so are a lot of other prospects that don't pan out. And that's just what they are when they are prospects, is prospects until they prove themselves to be major league talent. And I know that they can't prove to be that until they're called up and given a chance. And a lot of people do want to commit to doing that. And this is just a matter of, are others willing to do that? And I gave you the two choices in the poll. The first choice is yes, I would give them up. And the second choice is no, I would keep them both. And that's the other thing, because some other people say, well, I mean, if you have one, then you could let the other go, preferably Peraza being let go because Volpe is rated higher and... At least you'd still have him. You shouldn't have to really overstack on shortstop prospects. And I I agree with that to a certain degree. I really do. I don't believe in too much prospect hugging, hindering you from acquiring good, young, proven, elite talent like Matt Olson. That are not only already proven Major League talent, but also highly likely to really help push you towards your ultimate goal of winning a title. And Matt Olson is a humongous difference maker at first that could do that with more work being done to fill other holes in the team after you acquire him, obviously. So I'm just staying with this topic and what I would do if the Matt Olson trade scenario were to arise again, if that's if that discussion is to start really heating up again once the lockout is over. Because that really is the one big trade or potential trade that people were talking about and potentially involving Peraza in. Because elsewhere, for shortstop, I mean, if you're going for Correa or Story then you're talking about signing, not trading. Same goes for even Angelton Simmons, for instance. And if you were to sign Anthony Rizzo back, he's a free agent, then that would be a signing, not a trade. And even if you were to acquire Freddie Freeman, which another report just came out yesterday that the Yankees 
could very well take another really good run at him once the lockout ends to get him for first base. And we spoke about what rumored numbers could be about him going back months ago because that discussion was already a thing. I think at the time it was like six years, 180, so around $30 million. And people would be hesitant to pull the trigger on that because he is already 32, around the same age as Rizzo, although definitely better than Rizzo at both of their stages of their career. But the point being, basically everybody else except for Matt Olson here would be via signing. So when it comes to a big trade, that's why I assumed that everybody just knew, oh, he's probably talking about Matt Olson. <laughs> and a great deal of you, especially regular listeners and those who follow me on social media, know that I really want Matt Olson. <laughs> I really want the guy. Whether it be in a pairing with Sean Manaya or one of their other starters, or just him. And of course, in the case where he'd be grouped in with anybody else, it would have to be even more pieces given up by the Yankees. But... It all depends on how much they prioritize first base and if they would really be willing to give away some pieces for Olsen, which you would have to do. I've had people say, oh, you could just give away, you know, a couple of prospects, meaning I I guess they just mean mediocre prospects, and throw Gio and Luke in there and that should get it done. No, it's not. (laughs) You can't just throw in these names, people on the roster already who are unhealthy or just coming off bad seasons, maybe both, and then just a mediocre prospect. That's not going to get it done. You're probably going to need one or two of top prospects, like top five or top six, along with maybe some players in the active roster, to get the job done. And for a while, Oswald Peraza was amongst those names mentioned that fans would likely be willing to give away. Some were willing, some were not willing. Me personally, for Matt Olson, and especially if a starter was grouped in with him, if Oswald Peraza helped to get that done then it would be really hard for me not to pull the trigger. It really, really would be hard. I probably would include him in the trade. And this is coming from someone who really does like what they've heard about when it comes to Oswald Peraza lately. That he's exceptional defensively, he really is solid defensively, and he does need a little bit more developing time maybe with hitting. I hear that at sometimes his strikeouts can be up, but that's nothing that can't be developed. Not to mention that he's only just going on 22 years old and he's still very young, And he and or Volpe could probably end up learning other infield positions if need be too. So, I I get it. And I do like Peraza. But as of now, you do also still have two shortstop prospects and he and Volpe. And if it meant getting someone who's also young and still even under team control like Matt Olson, it'd be awfully hard to turn away from. I mean, I've gone down the list of how much of a difference maker Matt Olson is offensively, defensively. He would provide perfect balance as an all-around great left-handed hitter in that Yankee lineup. And the fact that he's still under team control, which also definitely will drive up the price even more as far as assets are concerned as to what the A's might ask for. But the A's have also been on fire sale a few times throughout these last few years, and they might actually end up taking a discount, even though... No teams around the league usually do any favors for the Yankees, but that's besides the point. But for Matt Olsen, I mean, under team control until 2024, that's when he'll become a free agent. And just everything that comes with him, the stellar defense, the unbelievable offense, top one or two first baseman in the game, it's just really hard to turn away from, let alone how young he still is. I want to keep saying that. Because I've even heard some people say, oh, you got to give the kids a chance, stop giving up on the youth, and... And all this stuff about prospects. 
I mean, Matt Olson's pretty young too, guys. <laughs> He's only like 27, 28 years old, right in his prime. Yeah, he's 27, he'll be 28 in March. That's still young. (laughs) So it's not like you're getting someone who's going to, you know, be costing 20, 30 million dollars a year on the payroll and like they're going to be in their early to mid 30s, like some people have argued in cases not to bring Rizzo back or bring Freeman in, despite how unbelievable Freeman is despite his age. I mean, that's why I wouldn't have a problem with Freddie either, and the Yankees could afford it, but... That could also strap them in the Yankees' eyes from getting someone like Correa or Story. Even though Story might be looking to get a a one- or two-year prove-it deal because he's coming off of a pretty lousy 2021, for his standards at least. But you see how this all works together too? So this is a complicated answer. A lot of it depends on what they're choosing to prioritize first and what that could mean for the rest of the infield too as far as payroll flexibility. And that also depends on luxury tax agreement in the CBA. What's the luxury tax going to be? Even though they already reset last year. (sighs) 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 You see the dilemma here? You see how many moving parts there are here? So I get that there are a lot of complications when it comes to answering a question like this, but that's the joy of it just being predictions. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. At least not yet. It's just predicting. And you know something? There are probably even a couple more parts that are flying over my head right now that I probably forgot to hit on that might come to me in the next two minutes. <laughs> a lot of moving parts with this whole thing. And I, I, I guess I could expand a lot more as I go through your answers on social media. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, as much as I love Peraza and I am all for giving kids a chance and, you know, seeing what they turn out to be in the majors... But me personally, I'd be more willing to see what Volpe turns out to be in the majors and just signing either a Correa or a Story for shortstop, even though signing Carlos Correa would probably block shortstop for the foreseeable future considering he's looking for a lot of years. I guess if you wanted something quick like a one or two year prove it deal, like I said earlier, maybe you go for Trevor Story. And then you see what Volpe's got if he's to come up after that. Or maybe Carlos, in that case, could move to third base, or Volpe could learn third base and go there, and they could still both be on the same team, even with Correa signed long-term. Anything could happen here. Just a ton of scenarios. But you know something? Even if they end up getting Freeman, which would be really hard for me to imagine, because I just really picture him as a brave. If they get him, sign him to 30-plus million a year, then the Yankees could feel like that really straps them down for what They could spend for shortstop, that could affect them there. And then in which case, I guess you hold on to Peraza, because you wouldn't have to make a trade for Olsen. But, I mean, that could affect a whole bunch of different things. I mean, if you go for Freeman, then this really isn't even a discussion. I guess you hold on to Peraza, unless a trade down the road might need to be urgently made. And then, you know, you start to look at this again. But, I mean, when it comes to Matt Olson, guys, it's it would be awfully hard for me not to pull the trigger. So I guess if it were talking about him, which really is the only major trade that's really been a discussion this offseason because a lot of the rest of them have been potential signings, then I guess I would have to go with, yeah, I would give him up. If it meant for Olsen, I probably would. And that's really, really difficult for me to say. It really is. Because I do love prospects. I love believing that they can make it. But again, I want to reiterate this just one more time before we get to replies. Prospects are just that before they become major league talent. They are just prospects. And some of the best prospects of all time, a great many of them, here and there, they just, they don't even, even they don't pan out, let alone all the others that don't pan out. Countless prospects don't pan out. But even 
A good deal of the top ones don't, ultimately. So you got to take that into consideration too. Is it worth letting more time pass by putting faith in them? And especially when it comes to getting someone who's also young, still under team control, and a stellar player like Matt Olson that could potentially help you win now, sooner rather than later. It's all about winning a title, guys. And even if it has to mean sacrificing one of your top prospects like Oswald Peraza when you already have someone playing the same position and ranked even higher than him in Anthony Volpe, when it comes to possibly having to sacrifice him for someone who would be a massive difference maker in this lineup like Matt Olson would be, bringing you closer, most likely, to your main goal, what it's all about, winning a championship, you gotta pull the trigger on that. And for Matt Olson. I would. Like I said before, as long as they plug up all other necessary holes, i.e. shortstop, on top of trading for Olsen, then I would involve Peraza in a trade for Olsen. I would. As difficult as it would be, and as I'm sure many other people do not like this answer, as many other people probably do like it, but some probably don't, I would still do it. And an improvement like Matt Olson at first base is definitely needed because first base is definitely a need. And one of their main ones, along with shortstop, if you ask me. And I even saw John Heyman on Twitter at one point, who I most of the time can't stand, and I guess I can't when it comes to this either, saying that it's really not a main need of theirs, first base. And I'm sitting here going, what are you talking about, dude? Of course it's a need. Maybe in some cases not as much as shortstop, and I would agree with you if you were to say that. But first base is definitely a need. It is a need, guys. We've spoken about this. Right now, Anthony Rizzo's a free agent. He's not with the team. You haven't signed Freddie Freeman yet. He's not with the team. Matt Olson is still in Oakland A. The only one that the Yankees have at first base right now is Luke Voigt. And as much as I love the guy's spirit, I love his heart, I love how great of a hitter he is. The guy can't play the field. He'll make his plays here and there, but overall, cannot play the field, can't play first, defensively. And he has an awful lot of trouble staying healthy. So does a lot of the rest of the team, and I'm not excusing them either, but this discussion's about Luke Voigt right now. That's all you have at first base. And no matter how you spin it, and no matter how much you like the guy, and I do like him, that is not a season-long solution. You cannot rely on him being your first baseman and not have other options out there. You need a solid, concrete first baseman. I would love Luke Voigt as a DH. And I even said that for a chunk of 2021. How much was I screaming last year, especially in the second half of the year, to just have Giancarlo play the outfield, which ultimately they did, and it ended up being a great thing as I and many others knew it would be because we know that he was more than capable. But also, while doing that, have Voight DH. And when they didn't do that, I would want to pull my hair out. Because that's a major part of his game that Luke Voigt still has beyond the shadow of a doubt. Hitting! And they didn't even utilize that one strength of his, even when they finally allowed Giancarlo to play the outfield, which opened up the designated hitter role, they didn't let Luke Voigt pick it up. He would have flourished in there, yet they didn't use him. So for next year, I would love for Luke Voigt to be the DH. I don't know where he's going to be. It's doubtful that he comes back anyway because of their prior public admissions for wanting to get rid of him in the first place. But if he were to stick around as a DH, I would have no problem with that. The guy's just not a first baseman. 
And they need a first baseman, and Luke Voigt is not a season-long reliable solution there. That's all I'm saying, and the reason why I even go on that tirade is because we're talking about giving up Peraza, and in the one instance that I think he may have to be given up despite the Yankees' hesitancy is in a potential trade for Matt Olson, which has to do with first base. And I'm trying to stress to you how much they need to improve first base, and also not to mention how much of a need it is, possibly nearly as much a shortstop as a need. So don't listen to John Heyman when he or anybody else says that, oh, it's not necessarily a need or it would be a luxury. First base improvement is not a luxury. That and shortstop, to me, are probably the most important infield positions. Having a solid first baseman elevates the rest of the infield. And the Yankees do not have one they can rely on right now at all. And if you do put Luke at DH, then you don't have one at all. Not even an unreliable one. You don't have a first baseman. So that and shortstop should be top priorities, almost as important as the other. And getting someone as solid as Olsen, I mean, and then if you could afford to get Correa or Story on top of that for shortstop, how do you just not pull the trigger on that, even if it does result in losing, sadly losing, a prospect as talented as Peraza is? Especially if you could still have Volpe at the end of all of it. If you knew that that's how things were going to turn out, I don't know how you turn away from that. But that's just me. Enough with me rambling. I've been talking like this for like over 10 minutes. (laughs) Let's get to some replies. We'll start on Twitter as always. Wait a second. Did I... Did I forget to give the voting results? (laughs) All right. In case I didn't, uh, the two choices again were yes, I would give them up. And no, you would keep them both. Both meaning Volpe and Peraza. And 67% of all the votes that came in, 67% of you voted for the fact that you would give him up in a big trade, like one for Olsen, for instance. If it took him, maybe another prospect, or maybe a couple others on the active roster. And then 33% of you said no, you would keep both him and Volpe. So 67% of you basically agreed more or less with what I said, that I would give him up regardless of what the trade would take. But if it involved him, you would give him up. It also depends who else is in there. But If it's maybe a prospect just a bit lower than him, maybe a Luis Hill or Medina, which would also be tough, but maybe him grouped in with a player or two on the active roster, maybe a Geo or a Voight and or, I guess. But yeah, 67% of you voted you would give him up, and then 33% said no. All right, let's get to those replies. That's what I get for rambling for 25 hours. I just forget where I'm even at. (laughs) All right, first up here on Twitter is... Rebecca at peace now for life, and she says, I would absolutely give them both up for a big trade. Prospects are unproven, and no one can guarantee if they'll be great in the majors. The Yankees need top-level, proven players now. It's hard to argue with that. I mean, the Yankees are in win-now mode, and like I said before, prospects are just prospects. The only thing that I would be a little bit on the fence about, I, I probably just wouldn't do it at all, is give away both him and Volpe. I would not want to give away both of them. I'd be fine with parting ways with Peraza if it meant maybe a Medina or a Heel needing to be in there as well, and maybe a Geo Ender or Voight, like I've said, for a while now, because it would take quite a bit of pieces to get Olsen. Olsen is very valuable, not just because of his skill, but also because of his team control and what you're getting for all of that skill, and you're only going to be having to pay like $12 million since he's under team control, and he's still set to be under arbitration one more year left of control next year still. He's not going to be a free agent until 2024. So that's very valuable. 
And then you'll probably need even more, like I said, if you're going to group in one of their starting pitchers with Olsen. So that's tough. I mean, to get both of them in, you'd probably have to give away two really top-level prospects. I mean, I'd just be fine with just getting Olsen. That's really who I want. (laughs) So if you just had to give away Peraza, maybe a healer or Medina, or if you get lucky and you could get away with giving someone up even lower than them, then go for that. And then Geo and or Voigt, maybe. I say Geo because if you sign a big-time shortstop and a big-time first baseman, Glaber moves back to second, you're not getting rid of DJ. As much as I like Geo, he's kind of the odd man out in the infield, so you give him away if need be. As tough as that would be, because I, again, I do like Geo, but... And if you're not going to keep Voigt around as a DH, then you get rid of him too, if the A's would see value in getting him. So that's what you'd have to do, but I'm, I would really want to avoid giving away Volpe. I want to keep at least one of them. So if you're going to give away Peraza, I want to keep Volpe, because he's at least the number one prospect. And I know, like I said before, even number ones don't pan out sometimes because prospects are just that. Prospects, I understand that and agree with it. But I do want to keep at least one of them, because they do have a system that's stacked with shortstops right now. I mean, they have these two, they have Trey Sweeney, they just signed Roderick Arias, the number one international prospect, that's another shortstop right there. So they have a lot of shortstops in this system, and you could afford to sacrifice at least one of them, because it's really pointless just keeping all those guys. I mean, they could learn different positions, obviously, I know that, I mentioned that before, but I mean, it's kind of pointless to keep all of those guys who play the same position, and when you think about it, I mean, what are the chances of all four of them panning out? I mean, I'd probably say most of them don't, and it's possible that even none of them pan out. That's possible too. You never know. Because that's just the reality of it. Prospects are just that. Prospects. You don't really have any definitive answers for them, but, you know, especially if you have a lot of them in the same position like this, if it means getting an elite, proven player in the majors now when you're in or considered to be in a championship window like the Yankees have been in since 2017, then you gotta sacrifice. You gotta give to get. You can't give scraps and then expect the other party to return gold. That's just not how it works. So, all right, let's move on. Up next, we have on Twitter, at MusicianDMD, my friend Spencer. And Spencer says, keep both of them. They're each conceivably one to two years away from reaching the majors. Looking at the MLB landscape, I don't think the New York Yankees can bring in anybody, even a Carlos Correa or Matt Olson, that will get them any closer to reaching the playoffs and or a title. In my opinion, the Yankees could field an all-star team, but it won't make a difference if our ace Garrett Cole doesn't pitch like an ace. Yes, we want a title. I want a title as bad as any Yankees fan. But we don't want another 2012 team and run out a bunch of 30-plus-year-olds. You stay young. I mean, Matt Olson is young. <laughs> so if you were to get Olson, I mean, he's only 27 going on 28 years old. And, I mean, if you were to get Carlos Correa, for instance, or Trevor Story, I mean, if you were to get Carlos Correa, Carlos is 27 going on 28 at the end of the year, too. So you have youth on that side, too, even though... I mean, obviously, he would cost what he does, and that's why, regardless of how badly I want him, I just don't see the Yankees spending that kind of money. I stay realistic with that. But even Trevor Story, who might be a little more realistic, even though he might still ask for a lot of years, but it's possible he could get like a sort of a shorter prove-it deal after a lousy 2021 for his standards. Even he's only 29 going on 30. So these aren't old guys. (laughs) So, you know, obviously, Peraza and Volpe and the prospects are much younger, 
But you're not talking about guys who are on the decline right now. All these guys being spoken about, at least Olsen, Correa, Story, these are guys that aren't even 30 yet. Olsen being the youngest of them all for first base. Rizzo, of course, and even Freeman, they're both around 32, I believe they both are. So, you know, they've got age working against them a little bit there, even though it doesn't really matter for Freddie because of how incredible he still is. But, yeah, so when it comes to staying young, you kind of are staying young. When it comes to guys like Correa, Story, and Olsen, they're still young. And yeah, I think more work would need to be done after just getting Olsen or just filling in shortstop. But to say that you don't think that they would be difference makers, get you any closer to the playoffs or a title, I mean, regardless of how much the Yankees have underperformed in 2021 or in other years in certain other areas, they've still made the playoffs. But I I don't see how someone like Matt Olsen doesn't get you closer to your goal. He's an elite first baseman, one of the best in the game. So if you were to fill in the proper holes after that, then I would think that helps immensely. (laughs) I don't really see how that doesn't get you closer to a title. Yeah, you still need to fill in other holes, and yeah, you got to hope everybody stays healthy and does their thing. It's not solely based around Matt Olson. Baseball's a team game. But how does that naturally just on paper not get you closer to a title, having a first baseman like that? All right, up next is at V Arena 57, and they say it really depends on the trade. Well, yeah, it does, of course, but I was kind of insinuating the Matt Olson trade, like I was saying earlier. <laughs> All right, next is Rob at Laker 477, and Rob says, I would be okay with trading him, but it would obviously depend on who the Yankees would be getting in return. A guy like Matt Olson would be a no brainer. Yeah, from everything I've said, you know, I have to agree with that. At Jimmy Bronx NY27, Jimmy says, Keep both Volpe and Peraza. One can play shortstop, the other player can maybe play second base. But talking possible trades, the Yankees cannot go into this season with Gary Sanchez as the starting catcher. Trade Sanchez. Well, since they let a lot of guys like Jacob Stallings and many others who I would have liked on the team, even if they wouldn't have been vast improvements over Gary, but I think they would have been some improvements. Well, a lot of those guys have just been traded or chosen new teams, I mean, before the lockout started, so they're already pretty much done. And I think it's pretty obvious the Yankees are looking to at least start the season with Gary behind the plate, as much as I don't like that myself, because I've just run out of patience with Gary. I really have. It's just been a lot of years just waiting for him to come around. And there have been moments where he does, but just the streakiness and even the injuries in the past and just the underperforming, the awful defense, it's just... It's too much, too many years, too, ma- too much waiting, too much patience. So, yeah, I think they do at least intend to start the season with him at catcher. I don't know what's going to happen if he starts out abysmally what they're going to do later. Like a month or two in, maybe, if he's just absolutely horrible. But I think they intend to at least start the season with him there. So, yeah, I, I hear you on the lack of patience with Gary. I do. So you'd keep them both. All right, well... I mean, if it were to get someone like Olsen, I obviously do not agree with that. I would probably just give away Peraza, because I don't want to give away Volpe, and I don't want to give away both of them. So, it's just Peraza, even though that's, again, not slandering Peraza or saying I don't care about him. Not slandering, not showing lack of care. I'm just saying you got to give something to get something. And if they asked for him, and if it was a reasonable trade all around, then I I would sacrifice him. At Crusaders, BBNY says, Mike, all prospects are expendable for the right price. All of them. 
Yeah, I mean, like like we've been saying, when prospects are prospects, that's what they are. They're not proven major league talent yet, and if you could get a superstar like Olsen in return, as long as it's not over the top that they don't ask for, like basically all the top prospects, but at that point, obviously, you probably don't make the deal because you don't want to sacrifice absolutely everyone for one guy. But if you could sacrifice a guy or two and still have some really promising names left over, and you could get a superstar like Matt Olsen to help you now when you claim to be in a championship window now, then you do it. Because you also have to account for, like I think it was Spencer that said a few replies ago, saying that these guys are still a year or two away from the major leagues. Yeah, I'd say Volpe is a little farther than Peraza because Peraza is at least in AAA already. Volpe is not that far as of now, even though he's incredibly talented and could just, you know, fly through the ranks. Yeah, but think about where the team might be by then already as well. The main pieces here, like, you know, Garrett Cole, who they paid to win a championship. They thought he was going to be the final piece to the puzzle. Aaron Judge, who the team is really mostly centered around. By the time they're ready, Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, all these key names, even Glaber Torres, even though he'll still be young because he's very young. But a lot of key names on this team, DJ LeMay, will be older. Just run down the list of names. Giancarlo Stanton. A lot of these guys, they're not getting younger. They're getting older. So then as these key parts of the team start to age, you start to get a little bit further out of that championship window. And by the time they're ready, by the time all these guys are ready, when you've just filled in stop gaps in the meantime and still have done nothing in this quote-unquote championship window, will it have been worth it to wait for them? And will they even pan out in your waiting for them? <laughs> these are the things that you have to weigh. And that's why if it just meant sacrificing Peraza or maybe just another another prospect, a couple of numbers below him, for a guy like Olsen now, then it's tough to turn away from that. It just is. I don't blame people for wanting to hang on to prospects with a lot of promise. I get what it's like to hear about them coming up and how exciting it is and how great they could be when they do come up. But you got to weigh where the team is at too. And what the Yankees may or may not do as other moves to plug other holes as a result of that move. It's a lot of moving parts, like I said before. It's a lot going on here. So it's complicated. At Bryguy3521 says, Love how we have big prospects and people want to trade them for a guy that's going to cost a lot and strangle the payroll. Give the kids a chance. Uh, Yeah, Olsen wouldn't really cost you a lot. He wouldn't be strangling the payroll. Especially for someone of his skill, you'd only be getting him for $12 million? I mean, listen, again, I get people being hesitant with giving away big prospects, and Peraza's a big one. But I mean, for a guy like Olsen, <laughs> that, is, that is one of the bigger difference makers at first base you could get in the entire sport. This is not just a big player, this is amongst the biggest in the sport for that position. He is that good. And in case you guys can't tell... That's the one that I really want badly. I want Olsen bad on the Yankees. In case I haven't expressed it enough for like three months now. Listen, I believe in giving certain kids a chance. And that's why I would hang on to some of them. I would hang on to Dominguez. I would hang on to Volpe. But if I have to sacrifice Peraza, for instance, I'm doing it. And Olsen's not strangling the payroll. He's not. That kind of talent, if you're talking about a guy that's not under team control and he's making big money, that kind of talent probably runs you about $30 million per year. And you're going to be getting him for 12 <laughs> So you got to consider yourself lucky if you were to be able to just give him $12 million, which you would. 
At Robert Perubsky says, I'd 1,000% give him up, especially for a guy like Matt Olson. Yeah, agreed. After Robert, we've got... At Sports D247 says, Prospects are just that. Prospects. Can't give them all up, but if you could win now and the right vet is up, then do it. Yeah, so you're saying you would give Peraza up. Yeah, I, it's hard to argue with. It is hard to argue with. At Laura underscore Icemont, Laura says, I would, especially if it's for Olsen. All right, a lot of people on the same page as me now. That's what I like to see. <laughs> I welcome all opinions, but obviously it's nice to have people agree with you. At Rebirth Chaos 09, my friend James says, I think it depends on the deal. Yankees have a haul of shortstops, so it depends on the deal and who you're trading for. Remember, you don't trade just to trade. It depends on who you're trading for, so to me, it depends. Well, yeah, of course. Absolutely, James. And that's what I've said to other people saying the same as you, that it depends on the trade. Yeah, of course. But say for Olsen, yeah. And I know that in this thread here, I replied to and you said that for Olsen you would, so you also agree. Next, we have at Jordan Delmont 2. And they say, for Olsen, I would. Alright, so a lot of for Olsen, I woulds. I like it. <laughs> At Mountain Gal 456, my good friend Tina. And Tina says, yes, but only for an outstanding trade, Mike. So if Olsen's an outstanding trade for you, I guess you would. Alright, that sounds like it to me. Alright, let's just do maybe like three more. Up next is at Joe Rossi 99. And he says, I would keep him. His defense is exceptional, and he's cheap. We have so many big contracts and so many extensions that will raise it even more. We need to build from within. It's cheaper and smarter. Think Core 4. Yeah, well, the Core 4 is truly special. It's really not comparable. (laughs) It's going to be tough to see anything like that again anytime soon, if you ask me. But, yeah, I mean, the team does have a lot of big contracts, and especially if you were to sign someone like Correa, it would make the payroll that much bigger. (laughs) Maybe even story two if he ends up looking for a multi-year deal beyond just a year or two. But, yeah, I mean, listen, Olsen wouldn't really be a massive contract. It's $12 million, especially for a guy that comes with that kind of production that he does. But, yeah, all those things you mentioned to Peraza, I even mentioned. I mean, about him, he said, you said here that his defense is great, and it is. And that's what I've heard. His hitting in some areas could use a little more developing, but for the most part, it's really, really good. And he is cheap, of course, because he's a minor leaguer. And if he were to come up, he would be under control for many years. I mean, it would also depend on the new CBA, if that even changes, service time changes at all. But, yeah, I mean, it's not like Olsen would strangle anything, though, as far as payroll. I think a few replies ago said that as well. He wouldn't really limit you in that area that much. You're fortunate to only have to pay that much for a guy of that skill. But yeah, listen, there are a lot of people like this who believe in prospects, and I do. I believe in a balance. You can sacrifice some prospects and still have a lot of the higher level ones that you really believe to be a part of the future. But you sacrifice some if it means, especially if you're in a championship window, if it means getting a superstar like Matt Olson, a young, elite difference maker. But yeah, obviously going down the road of the prospects is always going to be cheaper, at least for the first few years they're under service time. All right, let's actually make this the last one on Twitter, and then we'll read a couple over on Insta before wrapping today's episode up. 
Lastly, here on Twitter, we have at SNSpacer31, who says, in a heartbeat. All right, so it'd be easy for you. Be easy for some. Still be tough to let go, even though they'd still be willing to let go for some like myself. And others not willing to let go at all. They'd rather keep both Peraza and Volpe. So, that'll be all for Twitter. Let's hear what Insta had to say. Instagrammers. With the same question. In light of Peraza talk this past week, are you willing to give him up in a big trade, or do you want to keep both him and Volpe? And of course, along with the rest of the shortstop prospects that the Yankees have in the system right now. And just like on Twitter, you got two choices. Yes, I would give him up, or no, I would keep them both. And the ultimate victorious voting choice would end up being the same on both platforms, as the choice of yes, I would give him up was victorious on Instagram by earning 64% of the vote, and the remaining 36% who voted said no, I would keep them both. And ironically, yes did also win on Instagram and also very close to the results on Twitter, very, very close. On Twitter, it was 67 to 33, and on Insta, it was 64 against 36 in favor of the same choice. So even very close percentages of voting on both platforms. So that was interesting. Let's just hear what a couple of people had to say over on Insta. First up is at official52011 saying, it depends on who the Yankees get in a trade. Well, yeah, I was basically insinuating Olsen, so... Whether or not you'd be willing to based on that information, I guess is up to you. Next, we've got my girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and Vic says, I would give him up if it was for a worthy trade. While prospects aren't proven to produce results in the big leagues until some time, if we could trade for someone that could almost guarantee pushing us further this season and more than likely get us a championship, it's worth it to me. It's been a long time since 2009, and many of the years that we could have gotten there, we flopped. I'd rather get a winning team together now than rely on prospects that can possibly help us win later or not even pan out. As good as they may be, prospects are just that when they're still in the minors. Prospects. Yeah, I mean, it is tough. I mean, especially when those prospects that you might sacrifice end up being successful, but as long as it works out for you in the here and now... During a championship window, yeah, that's really where it all comes down to, right? So, if you're willing to give him up for a superstar now, and then willing to plug up all the other necessary holes in the team, then, yeah, then it would turn out to be worth it, especially if you win a title at the end of it, because, I mean, that's the goal. (laughs) All right, last but certainly not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, I have to be honest, this is a difficult question for me. I hate giving up on young talent for big names because in the past, we've gotten big names before only for them to choke and disappoint when they become Yankees. But young, fresh talent already awaits us and belongs to us. And the thought of giving them away for another team's potential success if they work out is hard for me to digest sometimes. But if it means that Matt Olson could be our first baseman and we can obtain Trevor Story or Carlos Correa for shortstop, I guess we should give up Peraza against my better judgment. Volpe stays put. I guess that's all I can say about it. Tough question this week. I just hate giving up young talent. Hate it. But we need players for this year, and we're in a win-now place. I can't take another bad, underperforming year watching the Yankees play the way they did in 2021. Anyone with me on that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'm definitely with you. 
I don't want to see a lot of what we saw in 2021 as far as the underperforming. It was not fun baseball to watch, <laughs> so it was really irritating. But yeah, I mean, it's always difficult to imagine giving up prospects because your worst nightmare is that the trade doesn't work out for you, and then the prospect ends up being called up for the other team that you traded them to and ends up being a vast success and being a vital piece in maybe them even making the playoffs or even winning a title. That's what a team's worst nightmare is, having it totally flop on your end and then having it totally succeed for the other team and work out flawlessly, almost. So that's that's the tough part. Like I said before, you've got to give to get. That's the complicated part. And it's always a gamble, even if you're getting a superstar like Matt Olson. I mean, who knows? The guy could become injury-prone, and then Peraza could be a success, and against everything I've said and my want for Matt Olson for first base on this team could turn out to work out horribly wrong. <laughs> that could happen. I'm not saying it's a guarantee if it does go through to be amazing, but I think it's a move the Yankees have got to make right now given the place that they're in and the window that they're in with the players they have. And I think it would just be the best move to make. Would I be upset with bringing Rizzo back or especially signing Freeman? Hell no, I wouldn't be, especially in the Freeman case. But, I mean, especially if it means strapping them down for making a necessary move at shortstop. And, of course, for the sake that Olsen is younger and you're getting him for far less money for a lot of the same skill sets as far as terrific defense and terrific offense, lefty hitter bouncing out the lineup. I just think Olsen's the better all-around option, and you'd have to pursue a trade for that to happen. And that's what you'd have to do, or potentially do. Maybe face giving up someone like Peraza, and it's tough to do. But I think it would be a great move for the Yankees to make, given the place they're in. And I totally understand, Mom. I totally get it why it's tough for some people to give up prospects and giving kids a chance. That's why I still believe in holding on to some, but you also can't prospect hug. There are times where you also just have to acquire proven big league talent already. The ideal instance is to find that balance. And just hope it works out. And I totally hear you, Mom. But otherwise, my friends, that is all for the social media segment. As always, whether I got to your reply or not, and there were plenty, of course, as usual, that I did not get to on both platforms, but whether I got to you or not, you know that I equally appreciate your interacting this week as I do all the other weeks. You guys are just the best, and I love you to death. But as for now, that is all for episode 127 of Yapping Yankees, guys. That wraps up a really good infield debate slash discussion slash speculation slash what people want to do, what they want to see happen, <laughs> including myself. So it was a good talk today. A lot of it's already been hit on this offseason in the past few weeks, but listen, it's good to bring up, especially as it continues to heat up and maybe as the lockout may or may not be on the verge of ending sometime soon, in which case, right when that happens, this discussion is going to heat right back up because at that point... Things could be allowed to happen again. Trades, signings, the whole deal. And I just got a notification on my phone that Major League Baseball, the league, they're going to be reconvening Tuesday to Thursday. It sounds to me it could be for preparing to present another offer. Maybe that counter offer that we've been waiting, I don't know, nearly a week for now. <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully they do. Hopefully they compromise because Lord knows they could afford to do it. <laughs> And even though I totally get some of the things that the Players Association is fighting for, maybe if they could just move a tiny bit, and the owners definitely could afford to give a lot more leeway given the fact that they're really the big ones in charge here, you're going to need at least a little bit of compromise from both sides, regardless of which one you side with. So, 
Hopefully they could reconvene and get another offer done. Hopefully it'll move things closer to the lockout ending. I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> if they're waiting until Tuesday to even reconvene and they're going to spend up to three days doing it, I imagine we're not going to get another offer until at least around next weekend. So I highly doubt, even without this news, but I highly doubt even more so after hearing this, that the lockout's going to be over by the time we talk again next weekend. Hopefully shortly thereafter, in the week after that, because, you know, between the 13th and the 20th, because at that point, if we talk on the 20th and there's still no agreement, then you're looking at an inevitable delay of spring training by at least a little bit at that point, the exhibition games meeting. So we'll see what comes of the league reconvening from Tuesday to Thursday, trying to figure this damn thing out. But while they do that, why don't you do yourself a favor and follow me on all social medias in the meantime, my friends, if you haven't already. Facebook, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter, at Mike Scudero. And Instagram, Mike Scuds 97 And also, of course, be sure to please subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on, guys. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below if you're listening on YouTube, and leave a review on all the others if you're listening on any of the other three. And if you have the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 127 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. Once again, Thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, February 13th, earlier in the day than usual. I'm going to be uploading earlier since it's the day of the big game when I come at you with episode 128 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, hang in there. Be patient. Please stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. And regardless of meeting plans over this next week or so, and regardless of the pessimism, understandable pessimism, about all this lockout crap, guys, let's just all still band together and end with the message like last week, that we just hope that this gets resolved as soon as possible and we could get our beloved sport back. Enjoy your week, my friends. Take care. (laughs) 